All right, welcome back to another episode of Religion Bites with Judah and Lauren. Hello. All right, welcome everyone. How are you doing today, Lauren? I'm doing very well, Judah. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, really excited about our first episode. Um, I personally enjoyed listening to it, which if I like listening to myself, uh, that tells me it was pretty good because I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty critical of it. But I've gotten some good, we've gotten some good feedback from uh, some friends and listeners as well. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it too. And I too am, am quite self-critical. So it was, it was exciting to make episode number two. I was ready. Awesome. Awesome. Well, today is a Thursday, July 15th, uh, 2021. And we've got a, a great episode for everyone today. Uh, I'm really excited about the format that uh, this is starting to take. And basically the, the first part of the episode, um, we really focus on tearing religion down, um, talking about all the, uh, the negativity that um, encompasses uh, organized religion at, at least, and uh, some current events that are happening now. And uh, then we start talking about uh, a few, uh, some topics a little bit more in depth um, and talk about spiritual, what I call spiritual appropriation and how religion takes the, um, the very positive uh, essence of spirituality on, a, on an individual level um, from things as simple as you know, mindfulness and meditation uh, to interpersonal, like how we relate to each other and uh, how we show empathy to each other and how it takes it and uh, harnesses it uh, either for its own uh, power structure or oftentimes just to cause harm to uh, yourself and to, and to other people as well. So we spend some time talking about that. Uh, and Lauren, what, were, what are some of the other topics that we discussed today? Yes, well, so we, we kind of go dig through the trenches there in part one. And then um, uh, you asked the question, you know, um, how do we move forward from here? How do we inspire change? That's always part of the conversation is moving it forward. And so uh, we continued talking about, you know, the re re reclamation of our, of our power of, um, you know, helping to, um, you know, disassociate from some of the more um, power hungry, you know, just focusing on uh, the foundation of the practices and then incorporating, incorporating that into our own lives and the effects um, of that on our uh, own spiritual practice, um, how we relate to the world around us um, and that through, you know, ritual and practice, um, getting uh, through mindfulness, through connection with the senses, with the elements, um, that all of that can help uh, uplift and inspire. And um, at the end of the day, that's what we hope our podcast offers to whoever finds it. We hope that it uplifts and inspires. Um, but we do uh, acknowledge that a lot of these conversations are kind of deep and heady and um, can uh, certainly um, cause some emotional triggers. So we do want to add a disclaimer um, that, you know, come to this when you're ready, when you feel that you can, um, you know, just take it in, take what works for you, leave the rest. 
enjoy our our conversation join us if you want if you just need a little more upliftment maybe start with episode with part two and then work your way back um but either way you know uh we just thank you if you're if you're feeling really angry and resentful towards religion yes uh, and you start, want somebody start with to part one with, yeah. start with part one so we invite you where, wherever you are we meet you there and we invite you to meet us uh, in this conversation today to join us. So um, without further ado, here is episode two. We were discussing before we went live, uh, one, one of the challenges of doing a podcast with a subject that you really uh, enjoy uh, talking about is you never know when to, uh, when to start recording. And it's like, you don't want to have any discussions outside uh, of, the, uh, of the podcast studio uh, because you know you're going to miss some great content. But um, uh, we, we, we do want to start off with, um, we're going to have a segment uh, that we're going to try and we'll do current events um, related to religion, of course, um, and, you know, the juicier, the better. But um, I'm going to, Lauren, do you want to start off? Is there anything you've seen in the news in the past week uh, about uh, Christianity, any other religion um, that you want to, uh, that, 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 that you think our audience would like to hear about? Oh, well, mine was actually political this morning. Oh, even better. <laughs> it, no, that's, it, deals, that's it deals with, uh, but it's all related um, because it deals with, you know, feminism and where we are, you know, with the current administration where we're in Texas and, <laughs> um, and we were uh, discussing yesterday, you know, about the anti-abortion laws that they're trying to push through right now. And, yeah. um, you know, our democratic representatives are up in DC, they basically had to flood the state to keep these laws from going through. And there was a, a, a sign a, of a well functioning democracy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's what's keeping it afloat right yeah, now sure. is that they had to leave the state that they're representing. Yeah. So, um, but they're doing a good job. And in the meantime, one of the newest articles that I read yesterday, um, and it's it, like it's in there in this anti-abortion law that once it's enacted in September in Texas, there will actually be a bounty on on anyone who can give um, you know pr proven uh, uh, like if they turn in a woman or anybody who's assisted a woman in having an abortion, yeah, they get a bounty if they're found guilty. So that's pretty. Ab, like absolutely nuts that that's happening and it it's certainly to me like we can take it out of the current political environment and look at the way history has treated women and biblical history especially and like uh, this doesn't this doesn't seem like we've made very much progress at all if this is where if this is where we are in texas in the united states in 2021 so yeah it, it definitely feels like um i'd say the past decade has just been um, a period of backsliding in the Western world, America in particular. Um, yeah, I, I, I've read a, I've, I've, I've started to go a little bit in depth with the with the Texas abortion law, and uh, it seems like a new approach where they're essentially like deputizing and uh, creating vigilantes to um, to enforce uh, these anti-abortion measures. Like anyone right. can take, if a woman were to get an abortion, anyone can file a lawsuit against her. Right. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's like so fucking insane. There's, it's <laughs> like, you can't even, I'm like, how the hell is this, is this happening? It's almost yeah. hard to, to comprehend. 
Yeah, yeah. And but then you, you know, you go back through the biblical theology and you see that it was it was happening then. And we were, you know, like as I read it, I'm shocked by it. And then I'm like, well, I don't know, I don't think I should be shocked by it. Like it's pretty yeah. um pretty ongoing. So although it would be interesting we talk about theology related to abortion. Um, it'd be a great subject to to cover, probably cost multiple episodes, but to do the history of uh, abortion and the church or abortion and religion and how it was, uh, from my understanding, and I think we you, you mentioned this the other day too, but a lot of it was somewhat of a modern invention in the uh, post-war era, particularly around like the 70s where they needed to find, um, you know, the, uh, the silent uh, majority and, and that whole group needed to find something to uh, unite people about. Um, and that was, uh, that was one of their methods, like Yes, and I think it was also after the women's liberation where they were trying to find a way to rally the women behind their behind them. And um, so, you know, it became kind of this like crusade of this holy war to protect the babies like we were talking about, you know, and so that's that's a way to to in I, I feel like influence a lot of women into, um, you know, it does. It's, it's the anti-abortion movement specifically seems to 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 target and try to bring on adherents that are female right they seem to be absolutely the biggest absolutely. organizers right I, I i would i would think so i mean i would think so because it's such an emotional topic i mean i'm a mother and i don't obviously i'm not like pro abortion yeah. you know like i'm not all about it but i also understand that um it's not so black and white and I'm not going to really get into my own perspective, except yeah, to say yeah. that like, when I think of my daughter, there's yeah. nothing that gets me more emotionally charged, you know, like being a, being a mother just makes you just want to, you, you tear anybody down for yeah. your babies. And so, you know, they kind of feed on that, but there's a, but obviously there's more to it and it's important. Similar idea. Sorry. Similar idea with the anti-vax movement is they play on, you know, a, a, a parent's, uh, and particularly a mother's love for their child um, yes. to, uh, uh, to, get the, to get them on board. It's like, I don't know, it just seems it's even more nefarious, you know, because you're taking like such an important element of, of humanity and like, you know, love for your child and manipulating that um, yes. for, for evil purposes. Yeah. Cool, any, any, uh, any other news events? Hmm. Well, why don't you share? Okay, then, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do one. Um, okay. There's there's always, uh, with, with, with religious Jews in particular, there's always something uh, exciting going on. And uh, this one I'm going to uh, take from Israel, I've been reading about. So, um, and just as kind of a little bit of a, of a preface. So I want to give people an idea of the numbers. Um, but there's about, and I was checking this morning, but we'll say there's about probably 2 million um, uh, what would be called like orthodox or very religious uh, in Israel, they're called Haredi Jews, um, really in the world. And it's split primarily between Israel, I think has more, and then we have a large population in, in America. Um, um, but there's definitely an outsized influence. I mean, Jews in general, it's only, there's about 15 million in the entire world. But um, this one, this one comes out of uh, Israel, and there's a new uh, government, um, slightly uh, less uh, um, f 
far right populist. Um, not much better, but slightly better. And one of the things they're, uh, they're doing there is trying to roll back some of the uh, welfare programs uh, for the Haredi or ultra-Orthodox uh, community there. And um, pretty much everywhere, it's, it's like this to a large extent in the US, but uh, even more so in Israel. Um, and um, so uh, they, they almost all the um, Haredi Jews, they, they study like full full time, you know, in after after getting married um, with kids, they don't work. There's like maybe fifty percent uh, labor participation, uh, probably even lower, and uh, so they're completely dependent, ironically, on the government and on welfare programs to survive. And that's everything from uh, you know housing, food, education, um, and, and this one in, is specifically about um, uh, childcare. So. Uh, Israel provides, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot more um, left wing in terms of at least some like social programs than we are. And they provide free childcare. Mm -hmm. I imagine to most of the population, but particularly with, with the Haredim, it's very important because they're having four to sometimes 10, 15 kids in a family, and they're completely dependent on government sponsored um, childcare. And uh, the government just started rolling rolling it uh, back uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, the privileges there, and the it it was very funny to see the uh, reaction from like the the big the big rabbis there. Um, they call it, in Hebrew they're called gedolim, which means like the great ones, and they're really the 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 leaders of the of the community. Same in America, and they've just been. They've been talking about they they use the language they use is always is always so extreme and it's like this is a holocaust and you know they're trying to uh they meaning the secular jews that you know run the government mostly in israel they're trying to destroy uh the torah and um you know they're trying they don't realize so so um um religious jews actually believe um and it's and they use it as like the excuse for everything is that like the entire world the survival of the world depends on them studying torah studying you know the bible and the talmud and literally if not for that then the world would fall apart because god only created the world for for them and for them to study his his teachings mm -hmm. and if not for that literally the world would 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 end um so um i'd encourage anyone if they if they are interested to 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 look up just some of the articles there's one um uh edelstein i think is one of the the big rabbis there and um just some of the just the, the ridiculous overreactions to uh the the government of 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 the country taking away some of their welfare programs for a population that um doesn't participate in any way, they're not. They don't serve in the army. They don't. They don't get any proper secular education, and they don't work at all. Um, so. And can you can you share? Like, I, I assume that people have gone to the communities and and asked for justification of how that situation like relates to their faith. Like, do you find like what is their um, what is their justification for um not participating and not contributing and like is it do they care what the outside world thinks of of them you know yeah 
the that's a really good question um so the, the so to answer the last part absolutely not they do not care at all what the outside world thinks because um i i would say religious judaism is inherently a supremacist religion like they, they truly believe and i mean this is from the bible through the talmud three for the past two thousand years is that um the world was there the like the chosen people is not just like a, a a cute little thing it's like literally the world is created for us everyone else is is kind of like lesser lesser beings um so what everyone what anyone else thinks is irrelevant um but there are they 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 are very aware and, and active in just simply practical politics um both in america and israel and um there's reasons for for you know there's sociological reasons for any any development of any community and um on i guess the pu public facing at least in israel they really use that excuse. They say like, this is the most important, this is what protects Israel, you know, cause Israel is of course under constant threat from another Holocaust or so they want everyone to believe. And they're like, what's, pr what's protecting Israel is the fact that we have so many um, religious Jews studying Torah. And that's the most important thing. Now on a, um, uh, uh, on a, uh, you know, inter on a, internally, and, and they're not they're not shy about this it's 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 um you know it's been discussed and it's been studied the reason why they why um the society has become um not just insular because it's always been but specifically like non-participatory in uh secular education and the economy um it's really a uh it's a it's it, it really took off post-world war ii um, you know, when Israel was founded and when the large influx of, of uh, European immigrants to America. And um, the idea was that the world is just becoming so dangerous and it's so tempting, you know, that if you stray out of, you know, if you go to college or if you go work in a, you know, a, a Gaish or non-Jewish um, workplace, you're going to immediately be enticed, you know, by you know all the all this you know you're going to start eating non kosher and you'll marry a, a non-jew and all that so so they're just like we need to keep it in more insular more insular and it, and it gets worse all the time um so it's, it's it, if you want to sum it up it's reactionary um is really what it is it's like they saw that um you know from the 1800s onward more and more people were leaving so they're like we need to become more and more insular and just keep control um over everyone, you know, even after marriage and with kids as much as possible. Right. Which is right. what a cult does. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. like we, and like you had mentioned on the last episode, um, that that is a large reason why they weren't willing to um, adhere to the mass mandates and the, you know, that they were they continued to gather in large groups because yeah. you had mentioned that in order to keep people believing and investing in the whole idea that it was that it's essential for them to meet regularly right so that they can continue i guess the the indoctrination like it has to be maintained regularly right yeah and that's actually i think a good segue if we want to um talk i know we were we, we discussed a few different subjects that maybe we could um like focus on 
And what, there was, was there one, I guess, indoctrination, right? Um, yeah. Talking about how it's um, how it's so essential to the survival um, of highly religious groups, like a cult. Um, <laughs> what's that? Like any cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, right. and I, I mean, it's they're really it, well. I'm not. I'm yeah. not going to go off on well, that tangent. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so to to give you an i an idea of what um, you know of of how uh, constant and how built in, uh, that indoctrination is. Um, so if you're a, if you're a religious Jew, you have to, um, you have to, you pray three times a day. Right. And, um, you know, you can look at say, uh, Muslims and they play, pray actually five times a day. Um, mm -hmm. so they have us, they have us beat there, but, um, the majority, well, I don't know what it's like. The truth is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to defend him. I have a, there's a lot to talk about uh, um, Islamophobia. Um, and um, I think in, in ways it's probably, it's, Islam is probably, uh, with all its problems, probably better than, than Judaism and Christianity. But uh, I'm not going to defend it there. But let's, so to give you an idea, um, so you have to pay three times a day, but you, uh, um, it's pretty strict that you have to do it with uh, with a quorum. It's called a minion. So you have to do it with 10 other people. So you essentially have to go to synagogue. And, um, you know, in the morning, it's like 45 minutes. And then afternoon, you're probably doing, uh, you know, and then evening, probably another 30, 45 minutes. So like you're, you're you know, you're spending maybe an hour and a half, two hours a day uh, in, in synagogue. And it has to be with the group. So um, very, you know, the social aspect of it is, is, is huge. And even more importantly is that on the, on the Sabbath is like the most important time that you have to go, you know, on Saturday, you have to go to, to synagogue. And then you're in, you know, in the morning you're in, you're in, um, you know, shul or the synagogue for probably two hours just in the morning. And that is like, you have to go and it has to be with a group. You can't just pray on your own. So what that means, and also on the Sabbath, you can't drive. So what that means is you have to live in a community where you're walking distance uh, to a synagogue where there's at least, you know, 10 other, um, of course, male, adult males. I was about to ask if it's everyone or just males. Yeah, no, of course not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> women women uh, do, do, do not count. Um, and... Um, yeah, that's uh, and then we well, we can dive into that more in the uh, when we talk about the uh, feminism and and religion. But so you have to so you have to you have to live in a community, and that's why they 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 you know congregate and they in these very isolated communities. You've got lots in New York. There's you know in New Jersey, particularly in Lakewood, um, which is where I grew up. But um, and then I, you know in Israel and some other places, but. Um, you are constantly surrounded by your fellow co-religionists and you know your school your kids aren't going to public school they're going to um they're going to religious schools religious private schools so you are constantly surrounded um you know night and day um by your uh, fellow co-religionists co by fellow jews and you know a big part of that is that social pressure um, you know, coming right. above from the authority and from the rabbis and from, you know, the almighty God, but it's what really work, what really does it is, you know, if you step out of line, you're going to, um, 
you know, someone's going to say something, you know, and like, oh, right. you can't do that. Well, what are you doing? You know, right. Start talking about you. Yeah. Right. And so, um, well, um, so as that relates to the evangelical movement, I see yeah. a lot of that same mentality. You know, they often have their children homeschooled and we're seeing that actually, I believe, increasing more. Oh yeah, the homeschooling is, is such a fascinating subject. Yes. I'm not, yes. I'm not, I, I, I wanna hear more from you, but it's, it's, it's almost entirely driven by, by evangelicals. And so is the charter school movement. These are all seemingly innocuous, but they're incredibly harmful movements. And when you start digging in, you, you understand what the motivation is. Yes, and I don't think that, I've, I, I've heard from a few accounts of people in central Texas, it's quite prominent in Texas. Um, and um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of structure around um, like ensuring that the children are getting any sort of adequate, like even, even just elementary, like, you know, education. So it's quite, and you can certainly find programs that have a, have a religious element um, that the whole teaching system is based upon. So I, I find, I mean, I guess that's a, I guess that's a right. Um, but before we get too far off that topic, because I yeah. was thinking about my education growing up, you know, I went to an Episcopal school yeah. and we had uh, what we called chapel every morning, you know, by eight o'clock we were in the chapel, the whole school was together and it was about 30, 35 minutes um, on a regular day. And then we would, um, you know, every once in a while, like maybe for the, for the main holidays have, um, a big communion for the whole, for the whole school. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you were speaking about, you know, that, that, that there are, is a whole group of people that their whole, their whole purpose is to be dedicating themselves to this work all day long in order to maintain the structure of the entire system. Yeah. Um, that I think that that really comes down to like the practice itself and how uh, that there's something to look at there with every with every faith, every tradition, and even reaching out into the spiritual tradition, you know, like I actually found um, looking back, I find that that morning structure was, was helpful um, because, you know, it sort of, there were times where it was nice to sing and commune and gather. Um, and yeah. we just have to be very conscious of like the intention on those sorts of things. But that's a practice that I still do now. Or, you know, I try to adhere to like, you know, we talked about before we went on the recording, you said you went outside and took a long walk, you know, like yeah. something like that, you know, yeah, that's ritual. very, it's, it's incredibly important. It is very important. And, you know, and it, and it, and it connects you to, you know, the bigger picture and, and the, the goal of your day. And I can see how that's a positive structure, but like you were saying, um, you know, when you become completely dependent on it and then, um, you know, obviously there's a, um, financial aspect to it too. You had sent a recording to me a couple of weeks ago about the, um, you know, like the business side of religion. And there was an evangelical preacher who, you know, they were asking him about how he maintains this giant, uh, yeah, huge, yeah. huge, you know, church facility. I mean, millions of dollars. And um, he spoke to the uh, essential need for the um, evangelical population to stress to their children 
that they give like like give generously to Mm. the church and continue giving generously to the church and that that's such a fundamental part of the entire system is like supporting the church so that the church will support you and so that it can continue ruling like you know like having that control and so um I, I, I'm just unaware. Does, is there any, is there any tithing? Oh yeah. Uh, money, yeah. money, money, you know, to perpetuate the stereotype, but money is, is, is definitely everything. Um, right. and, uh, in, in, uh, in Hebrew, it's called, uh, ma'aser or miser, um, depending on your pronunciation. It just means a, I think it means a 10th um but that's about what it is yeah yeah it's the same same ideas as as tithing um and um it's uh, oh it's very it's very fascinating um you know and of course if you're if you're uh, uh, especially pious you want to give more than a tenth um if you if you're like if you're like my father was and you uh you're you're pretty stingy and and want to find outs for anything like that you you find a a rabbi that will tell you that you don't have to give it your excuse (laughs) um um but you know and and similar to rich you know rituals but the idea of charity is a huge draw of religion you know both to keep people in and and to um you know to bring in new congregants and and through uh you know proselytization um but money money is is absolutely everything so of course you know everyone needs to give but um you know one thing orthodox judaism has done really well is to um what's the word uh, i'm looking for but they they've created a system where um you know they they get really wealthy people to uh, you know, either from within the community or, you know, they go out and, you know, try and recruit them um, to join the, you know, Jews, you know, to, to, to become Orthodox and, um, you know, give them just tremendous honor. You know, um, one of my favorite uh, plays and a great movie as well is, is excuse me, is um, Fiddler on the Roof. And it's honestly, if, if you want to understand a little bit about Orthodox Judaism, it's a great introduction um but he has a whole song if i were a rich man and you know and he talks about him and he would have this ostentatious wealth which seems to go against you know everything in the religion but it's it's so prominent in in every community um and and then but he but and then he has this this line have you ever seen fiddler on the roof i have okay okay um i i've seen it many times um but he has this line, um, you know, people would uh, ask me to advise them like Solomon the wise. Um, and as he says, you know, even if I, even if I have no clue what I'm talking about, people will think I do because you're wealthy. And, um, you know, so there's, there's really two, and it's really, and when you, when you study the history and you even, even see it in, you know, in like the Talmud, but there's always been two, you know, two groups of people that are like the leaders of the community. There's the, um, there's the the rabbis, um, you know, who are the learned ones, and then there's the wealthy people who support the community. Um, so they're really pillars, and you know, they're they're you know uh, just worshipped and praised, and they get their names put on put on everything. Um, and so I, I would say, 
you know, there's the, there's the tithing, there's everyone giving money and it's, it's a large amount and, you know, probably, you know, many of the people can't afford it. Um, they've gotten really good at, you know, uh, milking the government, um, you know, more than just, you know, tax exempt, but like really figuring out every, every way to, to get money from social programs. Um, but it's always been the foundation of, and I think, I mean, I see this, at least from an outside perspective, I see it with, with some of the more fundamentalists and, and evangelical Christians, but um, it seems to be one area that, that uh, Jews have done really well is to um, just nurture this idea of like, you know, if you're wealthy, like you got to give, you know, you, you support, they really support the community to, to, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of, lots to talk about there. Well, you know, one of the most, one of the most interesting things in particular is how it's um, like charity in general, because the truth is philanthropy is like praised as something great. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty dark when you really start looking at it. America is a great example. Any country that doesn't have proper, a proper welfare state and a safety net, um, they focus on philanthropy. And then you start digging into it and you're like, first of all, the percentages, you know, that ultra wealthy people give, they're really, they could give a billion dollars, but it's like, if you're giving, you know, one, one percent of your, of your wealth, it's useless, but it's more, but, but more nefarious is how it's used to whitewash, um, you know, some of like the horrible deeds, particularly of how they built that wealth. And I remember in particular, the, um, the yeshiva school I went to in, uh, New York, like the guy whose name was, was, was on the building. And I mean, there's hundreds of names, but like the big name he had, um, uh, he had gone to jail for like running some big Ponzi scheme. And, you know, in the, in the 2008 collapse, he had, um, you know, he had been one of the guys caught and there was like numerous people like that. Um, like I had neighbors, friends, like, you know, who were, who were being, who have, were, or have been, or are being indicted. Um, you know, Trump, if you want to research something interesting, look how Trump pardoned, um, like many hundreds of, of Orthodox, uh, Jewish criminals who had brought like many, you know, hundred million billion dollars fraud, fraud and schemes. Um, so that's how talking about t- talking about money. That's how that's where a lot of it comes from. Yes, and I will. I'm going to piggyback off of that really quick and saying that when I after um after one of the hurricanes hit our hometown a few years ago, I kind of found this group that was rallying to bring supplies to Beaumont. Um, We couldn't get in for several days. So we were just sort of stuck here in Austin, just accumulating things to get down there whenever we finally could. And um, I don't have any personal information on this woman anymore, but I got involved with this woman who was very well off and very involved in philanthropy. And it was her mission and she had the time and um, her emphasis was on, you know, the sex trade. And, um, but it all came from this money and we're seeing that now, you know, we'll, we'll give some concrete, um, you know, cases and, and information regarding these particular cases. I'm not going to like, I, I don't have it ahead of, you know, with me right now, but, yeah. um, that, you know, especially again, with the evangelical community, they're some of the largest perpetrators of, you know, um, sex trafficking and, and, you know, issues with underage children. And um, so to have this, you know, they're almost feeding right into, they're they're declaring themselves the saviors of the very problems that they're causing. Yeah. And um, that's so prevalent in 
that's so prevalent in the religious communities and in oh, yeah. the, the extremist communities. I feel like that um, often their crusade is against that which they're perpetuating. Do you feel? <laughs> yeah, very, you, very, you very much so. <laughs> no, very much so. I mean, there's there's a reason that you know the the um, the, the Trumpian kind of QAnon crowd. Uh, focus so much on, you know, like, uh, you know, rampant pedophilia and, um, you know, these, uh, you know, child sex cult trafficking, you know, sacrifice stuff. Um, and then like, you know, you have just one after the other guys like Matt Gates from Florida, um, you know, being in Trump himself, frankly, um, you know, very clearly, um, you know, sexually assaulting oftentimes underage, underage girls. Right. So yeah, it's um, I don't. I mean, if 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 they didn't have hypocrisy, then you know, religion <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't exist. Right, right, and uh, yeah, and projection is just yeah. the, the, It's it's been extremely um, effective use of diverting the blame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so well, I, I was trying to think of the the example because I had read about this week. Um, and even and even better, I think uh, it's it's not just specifically with um, uh, sex trafficking and and pedophilia, but uh, family values is mm. is like a great I think mm. overall overall topic for the projection and the hypocrisy that's 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 so rampant. And um, I was reading about uh, I forget his name. Uh, Paul Johnson. He's a he's a historian. Um, I've read a few of his books, but he's a he's in, he's English, but he's a very conservative, socially conservative uh, his, historian. And, and frankly, a lot of this, I mean, he's he, he's he's got a lot of his stuff is just crap. But he was he's very famous in in England, and we have we have <clears throat> lots of them uh, here in America, you know, for um, uh, you can call it revisionism or um, you know um defend defending from a historical perspective um uh you know the traditional western world whether it's religion capitalism imperialism you know putting a spin on it of you know like no you know all these um you know new academic movements you know these liberals trying to talk about how you know bad you know uh england or america was no you know it's defending it but you know one thing in particular was he uh he um he talked about family values and about you know mm -hmm. how it's terrible and everything's falling apart. And then in like the late '90s, his his uh, mistress of of ten years, uh, you know, finally got sick of it and and mm -hmm. went public and talked about you know <laughs> how he he you know his thing in particular is he loves to be spanked and and be told that he was a he was a bad boy when they would when they would get together. And uh, <clears throat> Christopher Hitchens, um, who I have I, I don't I don't love everything about him, but you know if you're if you're if you're uh, anti-religious to some extent, <clears throat> um, he he's certainly, you know, him and like Dawkins are 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 two of the the big names. But he had this great article where he just like tore tore him apart. Um, but I mean, you can consistently find, and we see it here, you know, in the states all the time. It's like any politician who who talks um, uh, extensively about family values is like almost always, always, always they're they're having some affairs. You know, they've been they've been married right. you know five times you have like someone like newt gingrich um yes and which um, truly makes you wonder if the if the concept of like what you resist persists you know like 
are, are is this are they creating these realities for themselves by denying of themselves so much and we could and just to touch on that a little bit you know yeah. absolutely sexuality is somewhere where like it's it's very apparent that the repression and the denial of certain impulses yeah um is related to um you know these extreme acts of 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 violence you know yeah. or even minor acts of violence and so and and like you spoke to the family values i mean how often does the family value the core of it um require that a parent disown their child um because they don't adhere to a particular value and um at which point you have to ask yourself what is the foundation that this system is built upon what is it that i'm that I'm actually dedicating myself to if if you can't love your children. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, and like, I mean, it like, uh, I think at, a, at least the surface level, it's like, ultimately, it's really just control. Mm -hmm. um, which I, I'm like, I mean, it's, 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 it's the same fundamentals of, 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 you know, of any cult. And I'm, I'm, you know, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm fascinated with cults and I've read numerous books on them. Um, and there's a lot of crap, crappy pop science about it, but um, um, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of this biography on, on uh, uh, what was his name? Now it's slipping my mind. Who was the, who was the, the Kool-Aid uh, guy, the People's Church? Um, now his name is, regardless, I'll Google it. But um, mm -hmm. okay. it, it's, it's so fascinating to, um to like read about their their history and it's just it's it's leaders that are like you know narcissistic megalomaniacs egocentric uh you know uh um sociopathic and um they just like they realize that there's this huge opportunity to just control thousands millions of people um and I, I look at, you know, I, I, this theory I have is like, I think Orthodox Judaism, and you especially see it with, um, you know, Hasidim, is that it, it's, it's almost like, it's kind of like a franchise cult in that there is like an overall, and, and the truth is, I, I think, I mean, even churches are, are the same. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like there are overall, you know, ruling bodies, but it's not like, you know, probably... Uh, Middle Ages Europe, where you had, you know, there's a central authority of the Pope, and like the Pope really ruled Catholicism and all of all of uh, all of Europe. Um, it, there is some centralization, but the truth is, is like every uh, rabbi or every you know Hasidic Rebbe, or you could say every you know evangelical um, you know church leader, like your Joel Olstein or you know any of the other uh, <clears throat> you know millions of them, they um, they have like their own little fiefdom and it's mm -hmm. incredibly um it's incredibly um profitable um it's very effective i mean you have absolute power so i it's it's almost like it's the system the system kind of perpetuates itself it doesn't need to be right. it doesn't need to have like an overall overall goal right 
Yeah. So on that note, I was thinking about last week when we were speaking, uh, when, when I was relating to my grandmother growing up, uh, yeah. or, or my grandmother, she was like a devout Baptist, Southern Baptist. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the fifties and sixties and when, when it was able to be put on TV, like the Joel Osteens of today, oh my gosh, yeah. like even for a while, at the beginning of like my spiritual movement, you know, or my spiritual, like, I don't know, seeking. Yeah. Um, his message resonated so strongly with me because it was this very like affirmation based positivity love. And he was able to just through a, basically a series of affirmations, like organize this, this system around himself where it was, you know, I am, I'm fully abundant and all of this. And he became very, very wealthy because yeah. of that, you know, I mean, it's like the, the wealth is unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, and so that system is obviously kind of what keeps being perpetuated. Yeah. And like, I even Trump can even Trump is very successful in doing that. You know, if he keeps saying he's yeah. the president, then he'll be the president, you know, yeah. like people still think he's the president. So um, it's a powerful movement, but yeah, it's like, it's kind of a, um, you know, it requires there to be a system, a, a lower system in order for these particular people to stay on top, but they have, you know, their work, they're working out for them. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, you yeah, see that, why uh, the, the, the whole idea of like affirmations, um, 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 you could call it like positive psychology although there's like a right. real psychology called it but the the idea of just like you know positive thoughts um um i i've read i've read the book and then it, I, a couple of biographies i've i've read on on trump uh i'll talk about this but there was this guy norman vincent peel um in the 50s or something uh mid-century and he's talking he had he wrote the book like the power of positive thinking i think yeah. and it's the same stuff that that it, it's it's been around forever and it keeps on popping up with things like the secret um right. or anything like that and it's the idea of you just you know like tell yourself you know i want to be uh you know i want to be wealthier i want to be happier i want to you know this and it'll just it'll just happen you know and there's there's different levels of one you know there there is something to that and there's yeah. different levels of you know one putting yourself in the mindset um yeah. To the extreme of like it'll literally manifest just you know through some through some some magic and it's a very religious concept i i find it i i've i've always been interested i find it incredibly harmful and i think it i think america is kind of built off of that like any you know you you just work hard believe in yourself you can do it and the truth is it's it's just it's it's false um and but it's it's incredibly harmful i think from a psychological perspective because it you essentially put blame for everything on yourself and like, you can't get out of that cycle. And I've seen it, it's, it's, you know, working in sales, I've seen it all the time. It's kind of a yes. big part of it. And, and like, it can really drive you crazy and, you know, really cause uh, uh, a very unhealthy uh, emotional distress. Uh, but religions love that. And it's a, I mean, it's a big central tenet of, of Judaism too. Right like yeah um what was i what was the other thing I, I was thinking about there's so many great topics i like that this this for me like this is the best way to do it and frankly i think i think audience members will 
uh, will like it. It's just, I want to cover, you know, we, we have all this different knowledge and experience and they all, they're all kind of, uh, flow together and they're interrelated and, um, mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's, it's, these are my, my, I always enjoy conversations where, where I can do that. It's, it's harder. It's like, you can be off subject, but really be on subject at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then I started thinking like, well, do I want to go down this? Yeah. Like, um, I say, I say, just, let's just, let's just do it. You know, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Something so, comes to mind. yeah so <laughs> as you mentioned the secret, I started thinking about Abraham Hicks. So I'm kind of going through my like spiritual, like awakening yeah. and yeah. Abraham Hicks came about the same time Joel Osteen did when I was diving into. Can you, I, I, I'm not familiar with the name. Can you give me a, just oh. a so Abraham Hicks is, um, it's, it's a woman and her husband, and I believe in the 80s, a lot of this um, revival of um, channeled information and things okay. like that, um, it like started in the like mid 80s. Um, and um, that was after the, I think it was in 85, they did the Hands Across America and they started, they sort started having these, it was the first time there was an organization worldwide of people coming together to either meditate together or pray together, or it somehow like set an intention yeah. in um, like raising a higher vibration on the planet. And so in the midst of that, I found a lot of information. It dives you deep into all of this channeled information. So um, which is like the idea of clear audience, like where people receive information through like, they they channel it through you know hearing it and then speaking it so there's this okay. woman and um her and her husband worked together and she started she started receiving the information and her husband started um re like recording it or you know yeah, documenting yeah. it and they worked together for a long time he ended up dying she still does it okay um okay. But at the very beginning, that her her work in particular, there are others, but she's a very popular one. Um, is the law of attraction, and um, yeah. Abraham is this is this being that's that is channeled through this woman, and the message being brought to humanity is, you know, you have this power through your through your thought to create a different world. Yeah. And um, we see very very quickly how even on a like a, a macro scale like how that can be manipulated like oh, you're yeah. saying like it's it can be hijacked for negative for 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 negativity by like very quickly yeah. and yeah. as i continued down that path um i saw a lot more of that and then as we got into the QAnon and all of this um I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise that the same kind of people are yeah. involved in both, but it all, it did because I do believe that there is something um, profound and powerful in the world coming together for things like global meditation and yeah. mindfulness and, and envisioning a better world. Um, but when it's done for self gratification or for, you know, extending the ego, which is, um, I think what a lot of people just kind of fall back into, you know, when they yeah. get a little bit of notoriety, we've talked, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, and using it for self-interest and, and then, you know, like 
just seeing how far you can take it. Like, Oh, can I manifest an airplane? Well, nobody needs an airplane, you know, yeah. like you know, that is, that, um, that, what's it, what's there's a specific word. It's like prosperity gospel, right? Is that, is that correct. what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of, is that how they pitch it? Like, um, uh, there's another one, uh, um, um, he's a black preacher. His name, his name's like something dollar. I think it's, um, but oh, he's, like, yes. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With the, he has like $6,000 shoes and stuff. Yeah. Guy. And he's got mm -hmm. multiple private jets, but is, is that what they, is, is that, are they, uh, my understanding is like this, they, they, they use themselves as proof of this manifestation. Like Correct. I'm going to manifest myself having a jet. And yeah, look, I did putting, it. Look how, look how easy it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's so like brilliant. a pyramid <laughs> I love it. for, yeah, for, yeah. um, and I feel like that that is quite effectively is what has perpetuated. Yeah. Most of, you know, most of the world's religions, like for a yeah. long time, even probably before we, we had this new name for it. Um, yeah. but you know, and then of course, I mean, yeah. So it essentially like, there's a power there positive thinking does, you know, science backs that up. Now there's a lot of new, yeah. new study of neurobiology. And that's what I find fascinating too, is a lot of these concepts that were either, you know, in ancient, mm -hmm. um, you know, Native American, Native American traditions that were just understood as the way things were, these powers of the universe or the, yeah. the you know, the, the fundamental, like, you know, energy systems a lot of them are being validated by science in one way yeah. or another. Um, and if we're going to start having this conversation, if we're going to start, you know, legitimizing some of these practices, then, you know, then there certainly is room for a conversation about like how we need to, the kind of people that we need to be, you know, and be being grounded and having good intentions. And also like just the, just the power of, you know, what poor intentions can can manifest and yeah we see that too yeah that's really the most uh um you know frustrating and, and angering part for me is like you know how religion has and continues to hijack um you know the, the really I, I think the the elements of humanity that mm -hmm. are are so important to our to you know to to us thriving and ideas like community and charity and um, um, you know, positive and in, positive intentions, um, the common, the common good. Yeah. Is what it, it used to be, you know, part of the structure of our government system is this underlying yeah. respect and acknowledgement of the need to protect and to, you know, adhere to, um, you know, a baseline of human decency. And obviously that line needed to be pushed right. further right. forward. Um, but we're having that conversation again, I think. And, um, you know, it's like with the um, space race now that has gone from countries, you know, trying to get to outer space. And now we have billionaires doing that. And there's a lot of yeah. pushback right now this week after. Um, Branson. Uh, Branson. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that he got to, he launched himself into space and um, there's, there's a reckoning coming, you know, yeah, for, yeah. The, for the ultra wealthy when we still have starvation and these people are building rockets. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that, I mean, that's a perfect mirror to, um, you know, the days of, you know, when systems were built on the enslavement of, of a certain people and they were, 
they were basically lived their lives to, you know, build pyramids and statues and churches yeah. and monuments. Yeah. And, you know, we've like the, the church has been, you, you look all over Europe and you can see the impact of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, it, it, it seems to always come down to, uh, to just power. Um, yes. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think that's what encourages people to to start religions and then to try and rise, rise within it. You know, it's just a, a, an organizational structure for humanity. And if you're at, at or near the top, you have a lot of power and wealth and everything associated with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it'd be fun. I, I was like, you got me excited talking about, um, talking about ultra wealthy and then uh, the the classes the working class coming for coming for them with pitchforks but I realized we're gonna I, I go way off topic and I'm gonna I'll save that for a political podcast uh, <laughs> and try and stick to something at least tangentially uh, related to God in some way yeah yeah sorry it's just all of this stuff just keeps relating back to I know, you know um, well I mean it's it, it's 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 all events. I mean it's wealth it's, it's inequality um, yeah. you know I mean I, I, if you specifically with with um, uh, with the churches, I, re, I remember during it was Hurricane that was Harvey, right in 2017. Yes. Um, and you know one of the famous things, one of the the big things that made it in the news was that you know Joel Olstein refused to open his church for <laughs> yeah. like I mean there was literally hundreds of thousands, not millions of people that were homeless, um, and he refused to open the church, which was in a safe safe like elevated area just for yes. just as a shelter um yeah. very unsurprising and of course it like but none of these things like even it's not it's not like anyone stopped going because of that no no they have not stopped giving because he did open his doors after public outcry and you oh, know he did it, it, right it, after, it's all sort of that like well better late than never right and yeah. so you know with with technology and with um, our ability to share this information, like, yeah, that, that there's, there's a opportunity to hold these people accountable for their actions more so than before, but is it long-term? No. I mean, obviously not for Joel Osteen. He's doing just fine. Yeah. Um, but, um, and should religious structures have to be, uh, you know, guilted or shamed into doing good for their community, you know, like at what point is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little ridiculous when I mean like right? yeah they have they have the they have the tax exemption and, and all the other benefits from the beginning we shouldn't have to but the idea was that they're doing good for the community and that's why they get it you shouldn't have, right. to, have to do that anyway. I, I do think uh you know one thing we we talked about early in the week uh, I don't think it was specifically related to this but more probably political is like what are what are solutions you know and mm -hmm. um I, I appreciate that question, and I, I found uh, for me, I, I often it's hard for me to focus on that sometimes, you know, because I want to, you know, you talk, you know, you want to either go to like extreme, you know, measures that should, you know, like we really, really like the answer to all of this is like the people should rise up, grad, burn grad, it all down, <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yes>. like, <laughs> like, you know, you know, the only the, the people that did it right were the French, you know, and yes. in you know in the French Revolution, and like they took. They took, you know, the, the king and the queen who represented church and the God and many of the people in the, and they just like cut their heads off. Um, but I, I don't, I unfortunately don't, don't think that'll, that'll happen. Um, 
Unfortunately. <laughs> what's that unfortunately it's yeah. not gonna happen no it's so. very important but like how can we like how can we improve you know like what are some like real possibly uh, achievable um steps that that we can that we can take um and i think and i'm, I'm interested to to hear from you but like certainly with the churches like if we if we were able to you know somehow overturn the tax ex tax exemption for um for religious institutions you know you, you need to you need to see like what's the pillar that's upholding them what's allowing these um these these institutions to survive and thrive and grow um and that's like what's going you know to bring it back to what i talked to in the beginning what's going on in israel is like the only reason you know the the haredim or the orthodox there they make up 10 percent of the population but they have a huge outsized influence on politics and just control of the country. And, um, you know, the reason they do is because they, they're, they're supported by the state. Um, so they're, and they're able to continuously grow and, and breathe and, and, um, you know, vote as a block, but like how, you know, if you want to kind of cut the legs off, like what's, you know, cause all, cause I, I think any of these, any of these, um, institutions are inherently going to have, you know, very weak support somewhere, and you mm -hmm. just need to find it. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm curious to hear, like, what are your, what, what are some ideas, whether they'll ever happen or not, but like, what are like realistic, um, like, few key points that like, you know, um, the uh, anti- religionists of the world or of the country could unite and like let's like what what would be like some real policies that would make a difference what do you think well i could uh before i get to policies when you started yeah. asking that question just as a um more of a, a social movement is sort okay. of like where i was going when you were asking you know what can we do so what can we do to disempower these super you know super wealthy powers well, obviously it's, um, you know, the best way to do it is to stop, uh, to help people detach from the perspective that um, financially upholding these institutions is your spiritual or religious or, you know, like duty. Yeah. Um, you know, like what I like, what I want to do personally is get the get the word out there that you can still have a relationship with God, you can still have a relationship with spirit without the hierarchical system yeah, that yeah. you don't have, to, you know, you know, that um, in in freeing yourself from giving your, your financial power over to somebody else you can then redistribute and redirect those attentions to other more worthy causes that are far more like um, immediate. And, yeah. um, you know, you, the third party isn't necessary to distribute funds to the needy. If that's why you're donating to your church, you can go yes. directly to a lot of resources. And um, the same thing with your salvation, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give so much of yourself to a church, to a third party that, that like approves of your actions. You just, um, 
you know, have good intentions for why you are, why you are doing the things that you're doing and you move forward with, with those actions, which is what brings us to this conversation. You know, yeah. I mean, I want people to, if there's like, if there's an intent, I have several intentions for these conversations, but a large part of it is that I, not that I feel Christianity as a whole needs to um, be, not have some sort of future, but the structural system as we've known it for the last 1500 years, the structure needs, has seen its heyday and it needs to be disempowered. Yeah. Um, And so I think educating people about the truth behind the intentions of these organizations. When I had a, I had a, a, a personal family member um, that is super religious. And she came to me when I had posted something about, um, you know, like maybe we're, maybe, you know, Eve was right. Like maybe <laughs> you should eat the apple and yeah, you know, fuck yeah. some shit up. Yeah. And she came back and, you know, was like, well, <laughs> I love not, that. Yeah. <laughs> of course not because the Bible says that, you know, we're supposed to be submissive, you know, something along those right. lines. And instead of reacting like emotionally, I like took time and I like sat in silence and I was like, what can I say to her? Not, not that like, I'm going to solve all of these problems right now, but just like what feels right. And to say that, like, what's most intentional and that, that, that doesn't project any, that opens up her questioning regarding the system as a whole. And after sitting for a while, what felt, what felt to be the deepest truth is that we have to ask ourselves who benefits from these systems being maintained. Yeah. Who benefits from you continuing to believe that, you know, women are submissive or whatever, you know, whatever the religious teaching is that you're justifying, you're giving or, or, you know, that the Pope is divinely, you know, chosen or whatever and that's why you dedicate yourself to them is ask yourself what the benefit who it benefits and um and that ultimately if you reach to the core of that in yourself you can you can see that power is the main focus that money is the end goal in most organized religions and that in order for us to move forward in a way that will make real sizable change is to disempower and ultimately collapse these systems of, um, you know, just misuse of people's spiritual and financial and, you know, familial energies that they can then go redirect to um, their communities and their families and um, their education. And um, so, that's kind of a tangent, but (laughs) that's kind of, you know, the the humanity of it, you know, and that, um, and you were speaking earlier to this and it made me think of this, of this belief system that we have to uphold this or the whole world will fall apart. Well, the world will fall apart according to the tradition, right? right? You know, when they speak of the apocalypse, I don't think that they were talking about the end of the world. I think they were talking about the end of the establishment, you know, that the antichrist isn't going to be, you know, the devil incarnate or something, you know, some guy with horns, it's going to be the, the disillusion of what 
has been considered like Christian, which is the root should be, you know, is like Christ consciousness, right? And so there's like, if you go based on like the literal translation, you know, they talk about Jesus coming back or yeah, Christ, yeah. you know, Christ returning. Um, there's a bigger understanding that Christ returning is that this time around, it's going to be an awakening of Christ consciousness throughout humanity, that it's not one particular person. It's that all of these people are going to wake up. What, what does Christ and, consciousness mean? So Christ consciousness is the belief that it or is the, okay, let me, let me backtrack a little bit then. Um, so to me, yeah, Christ consciousness represents the truth behind the motivations of what the great teachers and wisdom teachers and philosophical, like, they all share in them a sense of the same sort of energy, which is a universal truth of oneness, okay. of connectedness between all people, okay. of, um, you know, the I am, I am another yourself in Lakesh is what the Mayans said. Mm -hmm. um, namaste, you know, uh, namaste is the same kind of recognition of that we are what all What does namaste one. actually mean? I believe it means... Uh, like I, well, I think it's like, I see you, or okay, I but it's like a connectedness me. amongst people. Correct. It's, okay. it's recognizing yourself yeah. in another. And that goes yeah. back to the golden rule and all of that. So the, the belief that like a return of Christ consciousness throughout humanity is this, is that an, a, a, a large under a, a large, probably majority of the people on the planet yeah. will come to this remembering that we are all connected and like we talked about science earlier you know quantum physics is has proven that through entanglement that you can't yeah. do anything to an element of energy and it not directly affect something that it's been connected to across the galaxy yeah. there's you know like no time difference nothing and so um in doing that in coming to that like realization that the common good is fundamental to the survival of the planet, which it should be obvious. It shouldn't be so hard. Yeah. It's taken people a while um, that we 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 will not continue to uphold those systems. So the best thing that we can do is help people understand that one that they have the Christ consciousness within themselves, and it's simply the acknowledgement and the openness to see others, you know through the lens of what I do to you is also done to me. And there's, yeah. there's a whole system of what that, you know, like you can go as big or as little, but down to the neurons and the cells and the energy yeah. in our bodies, you know, it's, um, we're impacted, we're impacted by our neighbors. We're impacted by how we treat the planet. And if we don't see it now, <laughs> yeah. uh, the planet's not going to make it. And so this is the time for that to happen. And in doing so that will be the apocalypse that will be the end of this illusion of separateness, which is what the systems have had to uphold in order to maintain their level of power, which is like a lower. So are you, are you saying that the in, in that, in that regard, like the apocalypse is actually something great that they're worried about, which is when all, when humans realize that this yeah. is ridiculous. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, that depends on who, who, who you're talking about, you yeah. know, like yeah. yeah, to, to the, to the masses. Yes. It will be great. If yeah. you were, if, uh, this, if you this are the same concept. Okay. Yeah. If you are the church, no, that's very yeah. bad news. Yeah. And, 
And let me tell you why. And so I think that that's kind of what you were speaking of, of that these people have to dedicate their lives to this. Um, otherwise, the whole system will fall. Because also, if they're influenced by any outside source, they start to see the holes in the, you know, in the tapestry, and they and they get out. And so that's kind of what our goal is. is to yeah. <laughs> come on out, you know, like we've got this isn't um, no, I, I, that's, that's a, the illusion. I, I've, I've always been fascinated with um, uh, uh, the apocalypse and studies of it. Um, it's I love the 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 English word is great. It's uh, es eschatological or esch es eschatology, um, mm -hmm. which means like this study and different understandings of of the end end of times. Mm -hmm. um, and it's you know something consistent throughout uh, all religions, uh, and you know it's very prominent in 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 Judaism. And there's different interpretations within within the religion itself, mm -hmm. um, but it's. Uh, yeah, do you sort of saw that with the Mayan calendar, you know, the the whole idea. Oh yeah, it's talk, very you know, it's it's, it's I, it seems to be an intrinsic part of of humanity and the human uh, consciousness because I mean it comes up constantly correct. and you know it's even um, 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 you know. Uh, well, as you're as you're yeah. like thinking, I will say yes, that's absolutely true. And as you go deeper into the understanding of it, you you realize that there's that all all like all ancient traditions that were based on astrology or astronomy or um, you know the cycles of the planet, even Earth yeah. traditions, they they acknowledge this that you know like it's it's because things are so cyclical, you know yeah. that that we keep uh, experiencing these you know, end of days, but it's not 2012 wasn't the end of days. It was the end yeah. of the world as we, as we know it to be at that time. And we can sort of look at like how things have been progressing or the opposite of progressing um, the last 20, you know, since 2012, when um, it's really like a revolution or a shift in consciousness. You know, and now that you, now, now that you say, it, I'm like, wow, 2012 was in, in, in some ways, I mean, it's hard. You always want to find what was the turning point. And like um, mm -hmm. um, a lot of political scientists are like, now that we have, you know, a decade to look back, like the 2010s, there was this huge uh, turn towards like far right ideology uh, around the world. And it mm -hmm. kind of culminated in the middle of that, of the past decade. Here we see it with Trump, but it's, um, you look all over from South America to Europe, um, to, to, uh, to Asia and Russia. Um, and, uh, you can, we can, we can just, we can just say 2012 <laughs> was, was that, yeah. but, well, I don't know, I, you know, I, mean, I, 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 I was, I was thinking there when we started talking about, um, um, you know, end times and it's just like, there's like 20 different directions. I, I was like, I could, I want to take the conversation. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's such a fascinating, um, topic, but I'll talk, I'll talk about one thing just cause something, uh, interesting and, 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 and light is there's, um, uh, there, there's one group within, within Judaism, um, within Orthodox Judaism and specifically within, uh, the, the Hasidim called, uh, Chabad or Chabad, if you can't say the, huh. um, and they are, uh, they're, they're very well known cause they are, um, um, they do a lot of proselytization. Um, they go throughout the world, throughout the community. Um, you know, people have probably encountered them on a 
college campuses and, and elsewhere. Um, you know, and again, they're only trying to recruit Jews, um, you know, if you have matrilineal uh, descent. But, you know, the majority of Jews are not religious and they try and, and they try and recruit them. But um, they're, you know, like, like all the other sects, they're, they're, they're very crazy. But they have one thing in particular is they believe that their uh, last uh, Rebbe or their last uh, leader um, who was, uh, which one was that? Menachem Mendel, I think, um, was, he died in like the 90s. And uh, usually what happens with, with most of these groups, whether they're like Hasidic or Lithuanian, is the, um, you know, generally the son uh, will, will take over as kind of like the new, the new spiritual leader. He didn't have any children. Um, and so they, they, they basically believe that he is, most of them, to, to various, that he's the Messiah and that he came, um, in Hebrew, it's Mashiach, um, but uh, they believe that, you know, he was the Messiah. Um, it's, it's, you know, and of course he's, he died and he's kind of not here. So it's a struggle. So, so he be, he's become kind of like a, a Christ figure. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it caused this huge rift actually within uh, orthodoxy itself because um, uh, he was, you know, the leader of one specific group. Which was, you know, just part of the part of the uh, overall Hasidim and and, and Jews, um, but um, you know, it's one thing if it was like Moses or you know the head of all Jews saying, you know, saying he was the Messiah, but um, uh, if it's this one this one rabbi is like he wasn't my rabbi. I, I don't think he was the I don't think he was the Messiah. Plus, there's a huge there's a long history in Judaism of of uh, false messiahs. Um, you know. Well, yes. In, yes. Well, okay. Fin finish your statement. Uh, okay, yeah, you know, Christ being being one of the one of the early and probably most successful ones. But there was like throughout the Middle Ages, um, uh, Shabtai Tzvi, and then there was another one uh, following shortly after him. But like it, it's 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 kind of crazy. Like they they had hundreds of thousands of of, of followers. Um, but um, I one of the, the most interesting about uh, interesting thing about Chabad in particular is like they're for all intents and purposes, like Orthodox Jews and, you know, they're, they're kind of, but there's, there's like this fine line because to, to a, a number of rabbis, like essentially consider them, you know, apostates and, uh, and all that because, because they, they think that their rabbi was the Messiah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. guess I'll, I guess we're probably coming about to the end of an hour, right? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I was, you know, I, and we can um, just as a, a meta discussion, um, I'm, I'm, I, I have my idea for podcast. I think the best length is anywhere from like 45 minutes to two hours. So I'm not stuck on, on a specific time. If you want, we don't do an hour, we can, I'm fine going, going longer. Okay. Then I'm just going to keep rolling. Okay. That I will helps. say, I'm going to, oh. let's take, let's take a quick, a quick commercial break. <laughs> okay. I need to go pee. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to pause all right and we're back hello um okay so before we left on our short break yeah. we were talking about uh you were discussing the various messiahs throughout uh jewish history and yeah. through my teachings 
or through my studies, I've mm -hmm. under I've come to understand that even in the time of Jesus, that was he by no means was the only Messiah present around that community. They oh were, yeah, Very there was a whole movement of people throughout, you know, throughout that time that were claiming that were claiming the same title, yeah. and that's actually why he went under the radar as long as he did because they were like well he's just another one of them you know yeah. and it wasn't until he went and started you know or overturning the tax collectors tables and all of yeah. that kind of stuff or you know overturning the tables at the temple uh that they were like we need to shut this guy down because he's getting people riled up about yeah. you know influencing our our money power and yeah yeah Yes, and that's what got him killed. But anyways, um, on the subject of messiahs and teachings and um, Christ consciousness and everything, I read something yeah. recently where they were, it was just like a joke online that like, you could think of God or like in this in this instant, like a Christ consciousness perspective, right? The oneness throughout mm -hmm. the um, They were joking about like, God was a woman going on a, on a, a Tinder date or I don't do dating apps. So whatever yeah, dating yeah. apps are. And uh, so sh this is, this, the history of religions is God going on a bunch of online dating sites and she's going on dates with these guys. And then all of these guys go out and form a religion based around like his interpretation of how their date went. And, <laughs> and that kind of like, I was like, that's really funny. And that does sort of like, that sort of does encompass like what, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Very accurate. There's a truth behind it, yep. and but it's all through the lens of one particular, um, you know, perspective interpretation, and that works to to help particular people evolve. But as we see, it can also be hijacked for power. So, um, no, well, just, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run with it because it's actually, um, uh, like part of the the Jewish tradition um, is that um, God went to you know he had you know God God. We'll say he created uh, he created um, the world, and there's like a there's you know and then he create and he created you know the Torah or the the Bible and the teaching which is all of the truth and everything, and then so the the Jewish tradition I think it's probably at least from Tom Talmudic is that he um, you know went to all of the nations and he offered them the you know the bible like you want to you know if you you know he, you take this learn it study it follow it and you'll be you'll be my people and he went to uh you know the greeks and the romans and you know they always mix in the the timelines never never really uh work out but then you know finally he went to um he went to the 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 jewish people and you know offered it and they 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 accepted it they said uh um you know will we will do it and we will listen um you know at at uh at mount sinai and so it's it's very much a it's the tradition is actually somewhat somewhat similar like he went on dates with all of them and and no one no one went they rejected it for different for different reasons they're like right. you know no we have you know we want to be able to work on the sabbath or we want to be able to commit adultery or to uh to eat you know non-kosher Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, like in the Abraham, like in the story of Abraham, like it probably wasn't the first guy that he went to and was like, Hey, I need you to kill your son for me. Like, <laughs> like yeah, there was probably um, somebody who said no first. Oh <laughs> gotta, God. I mean, there's so much I can, I can find the right guy. But, 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 but taking that a little further is actually like a huge part of the, um, uh, the language and kind of the spiritual idea 
um, uh, between uh, Israel or Jews and God is is in the language of 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 marriage. Um, and you know, one of the books in you know in in the in writings, um, which is uh, Shira Shirim or no, hold on, that's. Uh, I'm mixing up. Maybe it was a class. Maybe you know, uh, it's so hard because I, I have I have everything in in like in Hebrew, and then I'm trying to you know I'm trying to remember the the English version, and then make sure they're 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 aligned. Um, but um, you know, it's 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 the the poetry, and and even in in Psalms, it's it's often you know talk you know from the perspective of of Israel or the Jews talking to God, like you know in in a in a like sexual. Um, Spiritual. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, this is this is. I mean, I, the truth is, like, you can create a, a whole. We can do a whole podcast on just sexuality and and religion. You know, both mm -hmm. both its oppression and, um, you know how it. But but this this one is particularly uh, interesting. So it's 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 very much considered a marriage. And and to bring it to bring it to bring it back to something we talked earlier about false messiahs. Um, one of one of the most interesting stories. I think it was Shabtai Tzvi who was a, he was a, a very popular false messiah about uh, maybe the 15, 14, 1500s. Um, and uh, he got, I believe, hundreds of thousands of followers. And, and then he went and he converted to, uh, I believe, Islam. Um, but, but, you know, he, yeah, and he was, a bit, he was like breaking the laws and saying, you don't have to do it similar to, to what Jesus did. Um, but he ended up, um, but he ended up uh, marrying a, a Torah scroll, you know, like the, you know, the scrolls written on parchment. And I believe the story is like he actually had sexual relations with the, with the, the physical, <laughs> the physical object. Um, <laughs> so uh, there, there's, oh, <laughs> there's, there's more to, uh, there's probably more to the joke than, than some people, uh, some people realize with the, with the, with the idea. And of where does this, what, uh, where does this, like the dating behind all of this? Do you remember? What do you mean? Like where, like at what time was this, was his story told? Uh, Shabtai Tzvi, the, yeah. the false messiah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, let me just double check, but. Uh, yeah, he was, he was 1600s in, okay. uh, in Turkey. And. That's, around, that's right around the Renaissance, right? Yeah, so. It's yeah. That's 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 what's been been like most interesting for me. I, I've always loved history, um, and it's it's really like my, my favorite subject. But to like I you know after going like very fairly in depth on you know history, you know the you know halacha, you know Jewish law and Bible and Talmud, and then and Jewish history, and then like uh, you know going and and kind of not just reading a secular. Um, you know, and scientific understanding of, of the history of, of the Jews itself, but like what was going on at the same time, you know, and what, what, what were the outside influences and particularly the communities they, they lived in is, is so fascinating. Uh, but he was in, so he was in Turkey. So under, you know, um, Islamic rule. Um, and and was that the end of his following? Did that deter people when he, you know, married and had relations with an inanimate object? Uh, 
another i'm not i, I don't i could I, I can do i can do a whole podcast just googling things so i don't i don't want to do that um no he he created um his so i'm just reading here so he had he had like a few hundred families converted with him mm -hmm. um but yeah it was it, it was a um it, it was it was a it was a pivotal point at least for you know some sections of because I think I'll, I think a lot of Europeans were were drawn to him were drawn to him too, um, and it was like it was this massive it, it caused like a huge depression amongst uh, amongst Jews because uh, throughout throughout you know history in Europe culminating in the Holocaust, um, but especially I can't say especially the truth is like the thousand years and in Europe for Jews was just constant persecution um, and, you know, uh, partial genocides uh, one after the other. And then, and like, you know, the 1600s there, who knows, there's, it's like our, the entire history of, of European Judaism is just, it's just talking about all the horrible things that, that mm -hmm. happened to us. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but, but like there were, there had been some huge massacre before this and you know the like a massacre you know when there's these huge massacres you know and like the holocaust would be one example that that like leads to people thinking oh okay now the messiah is coming right yeah, um, right and you know i like i mean zionism kind of embraced that and took it into mm -hmm. okay now we created our own state you know and we're kind of like you know this is the return of the exiles um but you know and then so like they thought they had their messiah with with shabtai tzvi and then he converted and it caused it, you know, it, it, a lot of people started giving up. And um, I think it actually led to the creation of it was it was related to the creation of the Hasidic movement, um, mm -hmm. which started around like the late 1600s, really 1700s. Um, and the the whole I, the idea was it of it was to create a um, really more spiritual um, uh, focus on the spiritual elements of, of Judaism, mm -hmm. uh, a, uh, a blunt way of really describing it. And it's true is it was designed for like the layman. It was designed for people who, who couldn't hack, you know, the studying and the intellectual rigor and, uh, right. really dryness of, of, you know, what, what Judaism had become, uh, at least, you know, in Europe, mm -hmm. um, so it was like a spiritual re reawakening, and you find that through through it's in Islam and Christianity happens all the time. It's all it's right. it's all it's all cyclical, um, but that's a that's a another topic for for another day or not? <laughs> <laughs> not. Yeah, we talk about whatever we want. Yeah, well, and you know that was certainly like it, it, my growing understanding of you know Jesus, the man, yeah, the wisdom teacher who. Um, you know, yes, he was speaking to the masses about spiritual enlightenment, but it was regarding, um, it, you know, it was through parables and, mm -hmm. you know, the different practices that different, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 um, the Hasidim were, was exactly, as, it was parables, right. parables. Are, are, are always the foundation of these, these types of movements. Right. So you have this, um, story that leads you to a deeper understanding, but you have to go into yourself to under, to, to get a deeper understanding. And so, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really practical place to start for, for the masses, but 
even that, as we've, as we've talked about, it's hard to get people to just sit with themselves. And also, you know, if you go to particular faith traditions like mine, you are not supposed, you don't pray to yourself. You don't look within yourself at all. That's, um, there's nothing there, you know, like, I mean, you have a soul, but, uh, there's no acknowledgement of your soul. Really, honestly, it's kind of a denial of it. I'm not really even sure like what's left if you take the God source in yourself, like outside of the soul. So um, once you lose that part of people having the opportunity to like look within and find that, find the truth within through study of parables and things like that, that that's that point towards truths, um, then it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and the extent of it not making sense has been perpetuated and retold over and over again in various ways. Are you saying the parables themselves is taken out of context? Correct. Yeah. When you, when you create like a literal interpretation of of what was meant to be a parable or what was meant to point you to a deeper truth, but you're not then taught the practice of looking within to find that deeper yeah. truth, then um, the then you've lost the core of the practice and it can't be effective. And yeah. I think that the main reason in, um, in I want to say Jesus's teachings that the translation has been so, so deeply lost yeah. is that um, they, they, completely did away with the idea of reincarnation you know they they took out all of Hmm. any text any any um any teaching any parable that pointed towards the understanding that reincarnation is a fundamental you know kind of a universal truth of spirituality uh which i mean i i have very few things that i'm like pretty sure about but that's that's certainly one that to me is a foundational truth of that that um you know reincarnation is is more likely than not yeah and jesus taught about it i I mean even if um i I just started reading which i've been trying to to start for a while um a a short history of of everything um Mm -hmm. i forget the author's name but it's you know and he talks about um you know how i mean we're you know even if when you look just from a purely scientific you know we're made up of 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 atoms and like right. once we die, our atoms, you know, go off and create something else. And that, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's one area um, that has always, uh, I won't say I'm sure of, but it, it's, it's, it's appealed, it's appealed to me. And I, I don't know, I, it's, so just spirituality and spirituality in, in general, um, we were talking a little about, about it during the, during our commercial break and, mm-hmm. um, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to go back to it a little bit. Um, yeah. and, and it's one, I, I'm excited because I, you, I, you have, you have a lot more to offer on it, um, than, than I do, but mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, it took, it, I'd say it took me, it took me a long time after like leaving religion. And, um, I think it's, it's, pro- it's, it's a common journey, but you know, everyone has, has their own, their own path. Um, there's you know you 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 want to you reject you know to reject everything and just to to be so um i guess cynical about you know anything related to to spirituality and i you know i think uh, one I, I, I there's 
it, it's hard, even if it's, even if you just approach through, you know, raw uh, reason and, and science, you know, as, as like, you know, I'd like to believe, you know, I try, I try and do, and, you know, everyone thinks they do, but mm-hmm. um, like, you, you, there's gotta be something more to, uh, to, to all of this. If, if I think if, if for nothing else than just survival, if like, if it's really just, um, um, you know, just, you know, rules of physics and, and, and biology, you know, and, and, you know, we're here, like, even if, even if we're just creating it, like, I think for ourselves, I think it's necessary for, for the survival of the species. And I think, like that's it's almost an appreciation I have of, of of religion. Like you have to say, why did it, why does it rise constantly, and why you know? And I, I think we need it simply as just um, you know as as humans we need we need a a, a deeper meaning and we need to find it. Um, mm-hmm. And like I think you know and I, I, I don't think it has to always be you know uh, um, um, you know in, in other realms, but even like for me like environmentalism and um uh human you know, you know uh, is is like like we're part of this like the earth is you know is 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 a is a is like a giant organism right and we're really exactly. just part of it you know with, within our own species and with the earth right. itself and with all other living creatures um and like that's just a uh, that's to me that's spiritual in itself absolutely um, and human you know he, like the ideas of humanism i find i can find appealing you know just like what, you know, what, like, what are we, what's, what sets us apart? You know, I don't think we're, you know, if, I, I, I don't think we're inherently, we're superior to, to any other species or to, or people, you know, um, um, or like the earth belongs to us. And I, I think we're finally starting to, to realize that that's not, that's not the, you know, you, everyone's realizing it. The earth doesn't belong to us because yeah. uh, we can, you know, we, we destroy it. It's, it's gone. Um, but you know, I it, humans are right. are just so incredible. You know, our uh, what our brain really our brains, like what we've evolved to be and what we're capable of doing. And I just it's I think there's this connectedness of like maybe we're just um, we're like the um, the guardians, you know, of the earth, and it's our responsibility. And you know, because of our intelligence and our ability to to, to help it and to help others, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a wonderful, like place to put yourself in and then move forward from there of like, yeah. um, you know, as you were saying that I was thinking about, you know, cancer cells, they like cancer cells start over, over producing and end up attacking the body that they're connected to thinking that yeah. they're saving themselves and, you know, um, end up harming the body and, and uh, at the worst, causing it death. And we are certainly, we can see how we are that on the planet, you know, there's no difference between us and um, it's just on a different scale. And, you know, the universe is gigantic and ours is everything that we can see is just one out of, you know, trillions. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's kind of like, I have, I have a lot of people in my family that are far more on into the atheistic or antagonistic about like having a belief system at all, because it is very easy to just sort of like want to step away from it when, 
um, it can't be proven. You know, the whole the whole the whole issue here is that it's right. experiential. It's a practice, right? right? So if you don't participate in the practice, then you're not going to experience it, and so you can dismiss it quite easily. But um, one of my family members who yeah. you know often does that has said you know, what gets me in particular moments is when I think about the fact that I'm made of stardust, you know, that we're yeah. all, that we're all just part of this universal dust and that it's all come together into physical form. But when you break it down, there's a lot more space between the neurons and electrons and everything that makes yeah. us on the physical. Um, and that really, and that's where the appeal, where the, the lure and the, 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 emphasis on like getting into the scientific like just dynamic or like in, engulfing yourself in it to me is just as fascinating it's just mm -hmm. as inspiring and we can look at historians and philosophers and those of the past that you know they didn't separate they didn't separate the the inspiredness of looking at the stars and studying the rotations and thinking about you know our place in the universe and our creation and how that you know how that leads you back to again like you were saying the acknowledgement that like us walking around on this planet and nurturing the planet and being stewards of it and of one another that like that all comes that is the sacredness of it. And it's deeply human. It's deeply, you know, physical and scientific and mathematical. And, you know, like, and it's, it's, and it's tan, we've made it tangible because we are, because we are beings that are capable of both, you know, of yeah. seeing ourselves as one and as the one, you know, as one whole. Um, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the, well, we can go from, uh, um, the end times, uh, afterlife reincarnation, they kind of all, um, they're all interrelated and, um, uh, that's oh, fine. And, um, there's, I, I've often felt like what's like, what's like the driving force that, um, that that pulls people um, or that pushes people towards religion and I, I i think like like why are why, why do humans uh you know why why is it so so constant i, I think death is probably the mm -hmm. um the answer to that right like we can sure. live our lives in purely physical uh in a purely physical realm but when it comes to death whether you know it's of a loved one or then of especially and ultimately of ourselves, you know mm -hmm. it's like you can have all this, you know, wealth and all this greatness and then, but like, and then it just ends. So I, I think that's, I think that's probably the root. I know I'm not the first one to say this, but it seems to be the root of, um, uh, desire for religion. And, but I, I mean, there's, there's something, there's gotta be something there because I just like, I mean, I find, I think just humans are the most amazing. It's, it's just so incredible. And the human brain, um, is the most amazing thing in, in, wow at least that I know of in, in the universe um, and just consciousness. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I, I think, I think that like that, that's what like ultimately brings me back to like, 
you 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 one i just think for 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 i think to live a quality life you have to have something there has to be you have to, whether it's well, even if it's just the search there has to be a search for for something more mm -hmm. um and um there's got to there needs to be a search for something you know beyond absolutely uh, just our, our our life yeah absolutely and as you say that i think also of that um in that there is an argument that in order to appease ourselves to nurture ourselves we can start creating what is not um you know like 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 reincarnation for example if you're afraid yeah. of death you're not as afraid of death if reincarnation exists right, right. because you're just going to come back and do it again and there's and there is certainly a conversation there of you know a defense of of the skepticism of what is the motivation but as you're saying if it goes into the psychology um you know the impact that it can have on the human mind to have to have a faith to have a practice and especially a meditative practice yeah um, i'm going to keep stressing that because really to me at the root that's really all you have to have from from what i've gathered yeah. that at, 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 at the end of the day like if you just incorporate that that's enough of a spirituality you don't have to have any belief system you don't have to just creating that as a practice is going to open you up to like whatever is meant for you to understand and adhere to or you know to to believe in or inspire you ultimately mm -hmm. when you say meditative yeah. practice is that does that mean like sitting alone quiet just with your thoughts you know, I think just as anything, one of my favorite passages is, you know, there there's many ways to gods as great as grains of sand upon the earth. Yeah. And I think that that really relates to the practice itself and that it it is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes of quiet meditation is obviously like a really popular and really effective way. But yeah. it's certainly, of course, you know, not the only way. I mean, you can be tending your garden. Yeah. you can be looking into your baby's eyes like we talked about you know that's yeah. a very meditative practice it's getting yourself in that mind space and um you know it can be going for a walk it can be it can just i mean anything anything yeah. the, seeing the ocean looking at the stars studying something that you're passionate about um all of those things life becomes a meditation and that's a core practice of a lot of faith traditions and like i mean jesus being a great example of being a carpenter and yeah. um you know that that there's that there's a holiness you can make any work that you do holy just by being mindfulness and in that and that yeah. really it's about getting into the space of being present in the moment is is more of the core so anything that you're doing whether it's sitting still in presence or mm -hmm. getting up and moving around and creating art or doing something you know like um just doing it you know with presence with mindfulness and um an acknowledgement of like this is me you know contributing to the whole in some way and yeah. like and 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 you can expand on that by you know then setting intentions and having mantras and focusing on healing or doing all of these other things and it's extremely i mean you know we talk about psychology that's it's becoming a huge part of the practice mm -hmm. um because it is very effective and in science and western medicine we've always had the placebo effect which they acknowledge is effective but they're then they just sort of dismiss it when really like the placebo has it has a whole opens us up to a whole realm of possibility of 
you know, of healing and of medicine and of, you know, of basically just wellness, I would yeah, say not yeah. even medicine, it's just overall wellness for our minds and which then affects our bodies as it's all connected. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of mental health and I'm happy. Yeah. To be, I, I think, I think that's one thing. Um, I think our, our country and we're starting to see it around the world. There's like, I think uh, it's been a, a positive, uh, there's been some incremental um, positive improvements in terms of just people's approach to it. Cause even I remember when I was younger and certainly going back to our, our parents' generation, um, I think of the root of so, of so much of our, of our problems and insecurities and, and traumas is like not acknowledging um, mental health and um mental health and religion would be a great a great topic too there's oh, so much to talk about absolutely um, yeah, but I, I, I think that's you know the 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 draw of of uh of religion is oftentimes related to that right whether it's you know a way to um to to calm your anxieties or you know to uh to have uh, a, a social group or to have meaning or to have just di direction um a lot for me, a lot, I, I think, oops, I think a lot of it can be, um, summed up under, under mental health. Absolutely. Um, it is for but, me too. And I would yeah. say that the, I would further that by saying that in doing the work, what I've noticed most profoundly is how it affects my emotional self. And I think that that's also why it was, um, kind of denigrated because there was such a pullback from anybody acknowledging the emotional self, yes. you know, like even for our parents' generation, it was very unusual that I got put in, in therapy when I was a child, but that yep. was definitely like formative to me being able to expand my understanding. And I started through psychology um, and then it kind of evolved be, into spirituality because I find there's a lot of through mindfulness and different things like that, there's a whole toolbox of things that you can do that that improve health, that help with yeah. mental health. Now, it does it cure it? Absolutely not. It's an ongoing practice, but it, it it provides you like a toolbox of in addition to, you know, talking to other human beings, yeah. having that communication and interaction through traditional therapies, which I also still love. Yeah. Um, that we have some other practices that that relate to um, ritual and how ritual becomes, um, healing in itself by lighting candles and mm -hmm. by, you know, like aromatherapy or, you know, all of these different things that people are doing now, um, that they're all just it's whatever works today to help you yeah. help you be, um, to, to feel better and to do better <laughs> and, to, yeah. and to be happier and, you know, a better, you know, more inspired, more, a better member of your community, a better parent, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're going through. And it's definitely, yeah. um, essential to, for my, for my wellness to, to keep up with it. No, a hundred percent, but you're, you're so right in that, um, you know, and I was thinking about it just now, like how religion has like almost systematically stripped out the spirituality and the mindfulness from it. And even like, you know, you, you, you mentioned things like, um, you know, lighting candles or incense and, um, you know, that's something I've always really enjoyed just fire candles. Um, you know, uh, I started, I bought, um, uh, we, we bought some frankincense 
And mm -hmm. I, I was like, it's the most amazing thing in the world. And like the Bible's full of it. Like the, the, in the, you know, in the, um, uh, the temple, um, you know, like the everyday practice was they were, they would burn frankincense and myrrh. And of course in the, you know, in the church, it's, it's a, it's a huge part of, of, you know, both the, the origin story and, you know, to, to everyday practice. And, um, it's, you know, it's beautiful things or even just singing music, right. Is, is, yes. is something that's, that's very spiritual. Um, and I don't know, what are some other examples? Because there's which, such goes, which goes back to science and resonance and yeah. waves and vibrations and things, which is all like what we're, we're intrinsically, we exist because these physical molecules like came together at a certain vibration and formed these physical forms that we're living in. So like, of course, it's all reflective to the spirituality. And of course, we would be attracted right. to combinations of tones and, you know, and waves that like are beautiful mm -hmm. to the senses. And to me, so much of like spirituality is an acknowledgement that beauty is often, I think that's why people are drawn to like why beauty exists and why people are drawn to it because it like, it points us towards this deeper truth right. of, um, you know, the, the structure of all of this being really profound. And, and you see that when you get out in the garden, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the, the way a plant grows from a seed, I can watch those videos. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. Videos of like a flower growing from a seed. I, I, I will watch those all day. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love it. It's I've always enjoyed gardening and they started doing it again this year. And yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely spiritual. I, I like, yeah, yeah, specifically this, the seeds, I, I planted some cucumber seeds, um, just yeah. in like some starter pots. And I was like, to see, to see the first bud, it was like, it was, I, I felt like a kid, you know, and I took a picture and I was showing everyone. I was oh, like, man. yeah, I mean, life, I think life is so beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Be yeah. Before we started this conversation, cause I was feeling a little bit like ungrounded and kind of spacey. And I was like, okay, yeah. I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to go walk around my garden. Yeah. And I don't know anything. This is my first year of planting seeds and me and my kiddo just got out there one day and just put them in the dirt. Yeah. And I planted way too many watermelons <laughs> <laughs> and we have this, you know, uh, probably seven by seven, maybe a little bit larger, like raised garden bed. Yeah. And we had various things planted and they are all fully engulfed in watermelon, oh, like, uh, vines now. Yeah. And I just walked around the perimeter and just sort of watched the way they've been traveling and I've cut back some, so they didn't get to grow that way, but yeah. just studying the movement of that growth and that like, uh, like that ability for the earth, like energy to just like encompass so much yeah. so quickly. And it looks like it's not moving to us. Like we don't yeah. see it, but obviously the growth is there because a week ago we haven't been outside because it's been wet, but a week right. ago, like I had a garden and now it's just green. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that just totally, like it puts you in a different mindset and it makes you really appreciative and kind of giddy and lighthearted. And I think that that ultimately is like, I, like in my striving to do this work, obviously, like think about the, just the term lighthearted to yeah. have a light heart to put yourself in a resonance of feeling giddy over a flower, right. you know, giddy over a plant. There's like, and it's, it's, uh, as an adult, 
there, apart from, you know, seeing my baby's face, singing a favorite song, dancing in the car and belting out a song. Yeah. Those are the things that really make my heart feel light. And that is like an ongoing, that's my goal is to find more moments of lightheartedness of to bring myself to that place because more than anything, because I want to feel good. Like we are talking about the, the emotional aspect yeah. is this is like mental, this is about mental health at this point, because we're, we're trying to navigate being adults and parents and all of these things in the right. world. And, um, so it's, it's a worthy use of my time, I'd say, to get out there and walk around my garden for very, minutes. very much. Na- nature has always going back to like meditative practices. Nature has always been, um, um, probably you know my my where I find my inner peace. I, I enjoy I enjoy just like traditional meditation of just trying to sit still and be quiet because it's it's so fucking difficult for me. Um, <laughs> It's like, it's next to impossible, Um, Mm -hmm. but that's why it's important to do. But I've always, I've always found it through walking in nature um, and like running outside. um, I've, it's, it has always been like where I can like find my, find my inner peace and everyone has to, everyone has like their, their own ways. I I just, I think nature in general is, is so important and we need to get out there. Yeah. Yeah, And while we're talking about elements before we get too far off. Yeah. We can also see that through like people going swimming and scuba diving, you know, people that get. Oh yeah. Scuba diving is incredible. Yeah. Or fishing or just being on Mm -hmm. the water, you know, living by the ocean. And then like when we're talking about fire, lighting candles, doing, you know, incense and things like that. Yeah. Um, Sitting around a bonfire is one of the most like cathartic things that Mm -hmm. I, I can do even still, you know, like that's one of our favorite things to do as a family. One of my husband's favorite things to do. And I see that represented through him as well. He didn't grow up with any faith tradition. So he's, he's uh, like, he has a really good soul. So he's done well for himself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because he's always had a really strong um, connection to the earth and tending the earth. Yeah. And I see that, that like, I'm like, oh, well, he doesn't need much of a spiritual practice because he's such a steward of the earth already. And he spends so much of his time doing that. And um, that's what maintains him and fulfills him. And he's like, his passion just comes from that. And yeah, and I, lo- I love seeing people that, that seems to like, that like naturally mm-hmm. uh, find that resonance, yeah. um, you know, like for me, and I think you can relate, like it's, it's, there's, it's such a struggle and journey and, you know, whether it's just, you know, a matter of where, you know, who, you, what group you were being born, you know, you were born into and raised with. But like to, to, to see people just like naturally finding spirituality, whatever that means to them and like, and seeing it, you know, personified and how they conduct themselves and how they act towards others. It's yeah. like, it gives you hope that there's like, okay, it's not, you know, I, I think, and I enjoy this discussion in general and I'm, I'm happy, I'm so happy that I'm, I'm able to participate in it because the truth is I'm, I'm I can get like overwhelmed by the, uh, the negativity like I can dive in and I'll I can read book after book on you know the problem history and the problem of religion and um I think it's important and I love it but like you I can get so sucked in by the negativity and it makes you so cynical and you know you have Mm -hmm. such a uh, it can create hopelessness and uh it's so important and it took me a long time and and it's a struggle to to be able to um you know, not to, not to ignore that. Cause I, I, I think, I think 
I think it can be dangerous to to ignore the reality of the you know the many problems that need to be solved you know whether we're talking politically or in our case you know with religion but to to be able to acknowledge it and try and work to to fix it you know um but not letting it consume you um right. you know and finding your there there there's you know there's there's spirituality and there's enlightenment and there's mindfulness out there you know for everyone and you have to you have to you have to find it in your in your own way and it was it was it was a it, it was a huge change for me when i was finally able to 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 do that um and for me i you know mental health and i think therapy i'm a huge advocate of and i think it can i think it can help people um reach reach that goal um and like you were saying earlier i'm i'm so thankful um i think like I'd say I think Western, uh, I'm not going to say medicine, but specifically psychology is finally uh, starting to to catch up, and it's like um, um, acknowledges and advocates and is integrating the ideas of of mindfulness um, and spirituality and whatever that that means to the person, uh, because right. it is the foundation of 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 I think you know mental mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the 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 other thing I I think I've realized is that like um, you know I think there's there's the internal spirituality and then there's you know uh, how you relate to uh, you know humanity and then and nature in general um, and those are kind of the two things that that religion you know I think fulfills for people and and religion really has has uh, has a grasp on, um, you know, it's like feeling that inner fulfillment and then how, how are you supposed to relate to people? And I think it, it, um, it, it always ends up hijacking it and using it in a, a negative way. But I found myself when I'm able to like truly, truly um, uh, focus on mindfulness and, you know, think about and like what spirituality means for me um, I'm able to, it makes me much more empathetic um, and I'm able to relate to other people who are different than me and less fortunate than me. And um, um, I think, I think like that, 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 that's what really always, I mean, there's so many things that did, but like one of the, the key hypocrisies that always bothered me about religion was, um, uh, I'm going to say Judaism specifically it was like that. Um, there was, there really was no element of caring about another. Uh, in Hebrew, it's bein adam lechavero. You know, it's like between man and you know. There's, 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 there's like the commandments of between you and and God, right? And then there's the commandments and and life of between you and and others. And I mean, consistently we find religious people are like some of the most horrible people in the world towards, towards others. I mean, it's just the history of, 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 of everything. And I found that consistently with like the most religious um, people are, were, were, you know, not just me, but to others, like they just treat them like absolute shit. And uh, that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's like one of the, I would say um, 
one of the ways like I, I measure the, um, the, I think, I know I'm getting to the, I know we're getting to the end because I can't think of anything anymore. Um, but, but how I measure like the, the authenticity um, of, of something. Of, 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 yeah. Of yeah. And, and I, I think I, I, I've seen it, I've seen it way more often in secular spiritual mm -hmm. approaches mm -hmm. and people um, than I've, I ever had in any of the Western organized, you know, uh, religions. Correct. And I think that that's, I think that that's directly related to the disempowerment that is, um, that is fundamental to the belief of which goes back to that question of who, you know, who is it serving? Ultimately, you're serving somebody else, you're giving your power away. Yes. And so when you bring it back within, when you realize that, you know, by doing this work for yourself, by loving yourself, it makes you more empathetic to your neighbor. Um, and every major, you know, the, the wisdom teachers, the masters, um, have all spoke back to the golden rule, which is yeah. if you don't want it, basically, if you don't want it done to you, don't do it. Yeah. And, um, there's, that's probably a good place to stop. And yeah. where we can pick up next time is what it means to be living in, um, uh, in, in the truth of your practice of who you are and, and like a, a fundamental core of like what of your value of your truth on what that means to be a person and um, to be a human on the planet right now with all these other um, little humans bobbing around and what responsibility do we have for our neighbor and, yeah. um, and in doing so what we can do on a personal level to put ourselves in a mindset that opens us, that it's continuously opening us up to greater um, empathy, to greater love, to greater acceptance of that which, dif that, that which is different from what we already know. Mm -hmm. Um, expanding that understanding separate of fear because I think fear is not the opposite of love I think it's just I think it's just people being ignorant most of the time just being you know unfamiliar with something and so yeah it is yeah fear fear is is ignorance generally right right so how do we how do we trans how, how do we transmute fear into curiosity because yes. that opens you up to a lot so. yes I love it I love it. Great place okay. to stop. I think we had, I think we have about two hours. Uh, we'll see when we're done, but let's, we'll stop the recording and we will see you all next week.